Hello, listeners. Welcome to Season 5 of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Every other Thursday, I chat with an author writing on the not-so-gritty end of the crime fiction spectrum. If you prefer your mystery without hardcore sex and violence, join us in the Cozy Corner. Welcome. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Author Katrina McPherson returns to the corner today to chat about Scott Mist, the latest last-ditch mystery. Welcome, Katrina. Hello, Alexia. Thank you for having me back. Take us back to the last-ditch motel and tell us what Lexi Carmichael and her friends are up to this time. Yes. Well... There's the question. Right. So it's the last ditch motel named after the last ditch slough that runs along the back of the motel. And this is my um, closed circle mystery, which I thought was a locked room mystery until Gigi Pandian, our um, fellow writer and friend, set me straight very kindly uh, that a closed circle mystery is a different thing from a locked room mystery. So this was last so where are we now? Um, January 2022. So August-ish last year, I pitched to my agent, Carl, at Severn House. No, not my agent, my editor, Carl, at Severn House, that I could write a mystery set in the beginning of the lockdown in 2020 because it would be a good way to get a closed circle mystery, to get a bunch of people all together uh, with no possibility of escape. So instead of the Agatha Christie, you know, 17 strangers in a, a country house in a snowstorm, we've got, must be about 17, actually, uh, padlocked behind the chain link fence in March 2020 at the Last Ditch Motel as the governor shuts the state. And I think because it's a comedy about the lockdown, it's not a comedy about the pandemic. It's not a comedy about the virus. And it's a comedy about the first, I was going to have to look actually, I think 10 days. So it starts on Friday the 13th of March 2020 and it finishes um, Saturday the 21st of March. A lot of authors have been agonizing over, over whether to include the pandemic or set their book in some increasingly far away future when the pandemic is over or just pretend it never happened uh, so yeah. I mean you know, how, how did you decide to just just go there and tackle it well I think because this one is about it you know so I'm not trying to tell a story that's got nothing to do with the lockdown so that's fine I have finished the first draft of the next last ditch which doesn't have a title yet Lexi Campbell number five it's called and of course, because Scott Mist is set in the lockdown at the start of the pandemic, that means that there that in that world it happened. So it means in the next book, uh, which is when is it set? Thanksgiving 2020. So it's not possible to, you know, I've I've done it with a lighter touch than it felt, you know, in November 2020, if you can remember how it felt in November 2020. Um, but it's still there, but the book's not about that. So I, but I, you know, I, I came by that honestly. It's my own stupid fault for writing a book that was about the 
that was about the lockdown because now we're in that world. Um, this is what exactly what happens in Scott Mist. It's a comedy and it's about community and it's about pulling together. Uh, but there's then there's a dead body and obviously there's a there's a murderer <laughs> padlocked in beside the chain link fence. But it's not it's not just the people. Um, you know, for people who don't know, the owner of the Last Ditch Motel, Kathy Munts, is a germaphobe. She's a lifelong severe clinical germaphobe. So the virus is every one of her last nightmares um, coming true. On the other hand, everyone who thought she was nuts for her hygiene regime is now looking to her as if she's the fount of all wisdom. Kelly Garrett read, Kelly Garrett read it actually and said, um, you know, she always thought, oh, poor Kathy, she, you know, she's a bit mad, a bit bonkers rather, not angry. Um, but she said, we're all Kathy now. <laughs> I thought that's so true. <laughs> so that I think there's one scene where she comes into the office and she is removing her um, hazard outfit, you know, her bonnet and her mask and her gloves and her scrubs and her plastic apron, um, and then cleaning everything with a Clorox wipe and then cleaning the Clorox wipe containers and picking up the final Clorox wipe with her toes so that her hands are clean. And everybody who would have thought, oh, that's that's a really severe um, mental um, challenge that she's suffering is looking at her thinking, that's some good balance. I wonder if I could do that. You know, because it's back in those early days when we were bleaching our apples, you know, when yeah. nobody really knew what the surface, um, what the issues were with surfaces. Oh my God. So what they decide to do is, Kathy wants to close the motel, but chapter one is Lexi saying, honey, honey, let's just, just listen to me. I'm not trying to make you, this is, I know this is not an opportunity for growth. Don't punch me. I'm not trying to make you brave. If you close the motel, you'll have an empty motel. And if they need it for overflow, then it's going to be filled, you know, which is horrendous news. So this is the only reason that Kathy could be persuaded to fill the motel with hand-picked people. Uh, so these are uh, people who need to get out of multi-generational households uh, where there are essential workers. So there's a, so a, a grandma and grandpa, Jose and Maria, move in, who I, I just absolutely love. Um, they're, they're great characters and I adore them. And... Uh, so Roger, who's a doctor, who's a paediatrician, um, goes to work and then stays with another doctor in Sacramento. And that doctor's wife and children come to live in the motel to make a split between the uh, medical personnel and the other people. And Todd's mom, Barb, comes. Um, she's pretending that she's giving her house to someone who needs it. But actually, these people are her gardener and her housekeeper and she doesn't want to have to do everything herself so she just lets them stay in the house and along she comes so I mean, so given that for many or most I mean I won't say all because you know we, we all we all handle things differently and for honestly for for true introverts um and I do skew that way being locked down away from people actually is not that bad <laughs> I mean I I I I have to be honest it's like you know I I don't always people well. And so having an excuse to not have to people uh, was kind of a relief to me from some of the other stuff that was going on. So I won't say all, but it was traumatic for perhaps most people. So how do you take something that's so traumatic and 
probably once in a lifetime, because I mean, there will be another pandemic at some point in the future, but you know, it might be another hundred years. So how do you take something that's so traumatic and make it funny? Oh yeah, have I? That's not for me to say. Oh, I think so. I think from early feedback, yes. And I think it was really important not to, I did take one scene out because there was one scene that was quite broad humour and it seemed to be laughing at the virus. And when I looked at it, I thought, oh, that's awful. That needs to go. But I think, I mean, it's such a cliche to say it's got to come out of character, but it has to come out of character. And I feel warmly disposed towards these characters. So even though um, people were uh, traumatised, scared, they were missing their... So Todd's husband, Roger, goes to work and stays at work and he he can't come back, so he's missing him. Um, Kathy is on full alert, you know, all the time, and people are very concerned. The the comedy for me came, I didn't laugh at anyone. I made one character find something another character did funny, or, you know, I made that second character look at a third character and, and find it funny. So there was humour to be found in in women with children suddenly living together who've got very different ideas about about um how to you know how to feed their children and what behavior is acceptable and things like that so a lot of mutual judging going on a lot of that you know competitive mum stuff um and then there are just some characters like Todd's mum Barb who's outrageous so she packs to come along and she just brings booze she's got a pickup truck and she's backing her pickup truck up to the door of her and all she's brought is wine and beer um and she's supposed to have stopped drinking and she said I have stopped drinking you know it's uh, there is no spirits it's all wine and beer I don't drink anymore and she swims naked in the pool um and persuades uh, some other octo and nonagenarians also to swim naked in the pool so it's things like that it's not um it's not really anything to do with the the reason that everyone's stuck together it's a hard line to find and if I do get feedback from someone who says you made the wrong call then I'll I'll take it on the chin that I made the wrong call do you find that's that's a challenge not necessarily even just with this book but you know uh, it's sometimes people don't always separate the author from the characters and sometimes you have a character saying something unpleasant or you have just a flat out unpleasant character that's not like the author especially in cozies I mean the the people who get killed off in cozies tend to be really horrible but that's not the author being horrible I mean do you find that's a challenge you have to to work around with with each book with people mistaking you for the characters in the book yeah definitely and even people who've known me since before I was writing I remember my oldest friend who I've known since I was a baby I can't remember the details, so it makes for a very bad anecdote. But she said, in passing, oh, because you think something. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, because you wrote that. I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah, I wrote that. I put those words in a character's mouth. I don't, I don't think that. That, not at all. But yeah, I do. Funnily enough, I just got an email, uh, which is lovely. It's always nice to get an email from someone saying, I like your books, yesterday. But this is someone who'd read nine Dandy Gilver novels and was just about to read Scott Free. And I always think, oh, I hope, I hope that's <laughs> going to be all right. 
because Dandy Gilbert is set in the 30s and as though published in the 30s. So there's no on the page sex, there's very little on the page violence, there's no strong foul language. And Scott Free in the Last Ditch Motel is set in Northern California now, you know, and it's not like that. So we shall <laughs> we shall see. But yeah, definitely you have to find a line. And I think in the Last Ditch Motel, I think I've more got outrageous characters who've got no filter than unpleasant or upsetting characters. Nolene, who's Kathy's wife, who's one of the co-owners of the motel. I love writing her because she just <laughs> she just says exactly what she thinks. And she's very, she's very straightforward. And she's got, there's no one on the gate, but she's not cruel. Uh, she's, you know, she's a benign character, but she's not, she doesn't pander to anyone. And I think most of it is is directed at the not exactly me, but my stand-in, Lexi Campbell, the Scot in California. She's the one who says the dumb stuff. She's the one who makes the mistakes. She's the one who has to get straightened out. You know, she she's usually she's the butt of the joke. Um, so I think it's easier to find the line that way. I, I do think people will cut you more slack if the character that they most identify with you is the one who is on the receiving end more than the dishing out yeah. end. Yeah. I mean, she does wind up her friends. She does, you know, they do Josh around. I, do, you, do you think that some people may, and, and I, I say this probably more from my, my healthcare background um, than my crime fiction background. We in the healthcare field would use not that this is dark humor, but we would use some pretty dark, I'm talking about like, you know, don't look up level dark humor to cope with some really right. horrific situations. So do you, do you think that Scott missed or see Scott missed uh, as something that um, could help someone cope with the situation by finding the, the humor in, such a, in some of the situations, even though the, the overall oh. pandemic itself is not funny? But maybe if you, sometimes if you can find something funny in it, it makes it easier to deal with. That would be, oh, that would be wonderful if that was true. I would be so proud if I had managed to pull that off. I wait with interest to see if that's true. Um, yeah, that, I, yeah I'll, I'll let you know if anyone says it did have a rough time. I mean, I know people have, have said, you know, we've all had a terrible time and this was funny and it helped me laugh. But... So, now someone now who was it who said we're um, so and someone put it really well they said we're not you know that everyone's saying oh, we're all in the same boat we're all in the same boat and then someone said no we're all in the same storm there are people in enormously different boats and I thought oh yes that's exactly right but I can't remember so I'm not taking credit for it but I can't remember who said it unfortunately um, so I'd be interested to find out if someone else who's been in the same storm in a very different boat from my fairly cushy boat uh, finds this uh, finds this funny. I've got to say, you talking about healthcare there. Roger goes to work and he's on the phone a lot um, throughout this book, and there's not a lot of comedy for him. He's just basically exhausted and losing patience and doesn't really want to deal with all the drama that's going on uh, at home in the last ditch, which is fair enough. I think 
uh, and that's and that's on the page that the that maybe not Todd because he's so self-absorbed, but the rest of them are recognizing that this person is too busy and cannot be can't be bothered with this. I don't mean can't be bothered. I mean shouldn't be bothered. Shouldn't be troubled um, by any of this. So I don't I don't think I've you know been fast and loose with what the healthcare workers were doing. But uh, something you kind of mentioned um, that, you know, this this is a, a closed circle mystery. Uh, so which came first, the idea to do a closed circle mystery and, hey, a lockdown is a perfect way to make that not seem artificial? Or did you say, hey, here's the situation. What kind of crime would you have when people can't actually go out and, you know, just commit crimes in the same way? I mean, did you or did it just sort of all happen all at the same time? I think it was. Uh, it was opportunistic. It was knowing that I was knowing that I was going to write a novel, a, another novel set in the last ditch, and n- thinking, having to make that initial thing that we were saying: Am I going to pretend it's not happening? Am I going to skip over it, or am I going to deal with it? And then thinking this would be a good way. This would be a ge- good way to get everyone stranded. Uh, I did it. I did it that way because I because the novels always start on a holiday so it was 4th of July and then Halloween and then Valentine's Day and then Friday the 13th of March 2020 the anti-holiday to end all anti-holidays a terrible day in California it was that that was so that was the day that the governor uh, closed Disneyland was it was actually on Friday Friday. the 13th oh yeah yeah so that was the day where it got real for people in California they have closed uh, Disneyland question as well where did it start so so yeah once I got the go-ahead from my editor once my editor said yeah go for it I thought oh this is going to be this is going to be great because I'll get to I am going to get to fill this motel with whoever I want to be there um and they're going to be there for the whole book and the whole thing's going to be set and um and then there's the thrilling climax of the book the denouement which is uh, has got a chase in it. I won't say I won't say any more than that. But that's that's out on the streets. But apart from that, everything happens mostly in the forecourt of the Last Ditch Motel. But yeah, my my confession is that Lexi Campbell was supposed to be the only person that was in all of these books, and everyone else in these uh, novels was going to be a transient. Um, Kathy and Nolene were going to be staying in one of the rooms. And Todd and Roger were going to be staying in one of the rooms while their house was tented. And then they were going to go away. And then halfway through writing the first book, Scott Free, I fell so deeply in love with all of them that I made uh, Nolene into the owner of the motel and Kathy became the owner of the attached laundromat. This is not a swanky motel because <laughs> it's got an attached <laughs> laundromat. Uh, and Todd and Roger, I just made them live there permanently. And and Della and her little boy Diego, who live on the in the on the ground floor, uh, they live they live there permanently. And they again they were just going to be passing through. And then I just I just um, lost. I don't know how to say I lost my nerve, but I, my heart ruled my head, and I just thought, no, I'm having all these people live here for the whole trilogy as it was supposed to be. But now I have actually signed the contract for books five and six. So they're and they're all still there. Uh, it's a a problem of the cozy right you know this it's a problem of the cozy is you populate that first book with these people and then you love these people and then there's more people in the second book and your cast of characters get bigger and bigger and bigger um and you have to try and wrangle them 
every time. And, and do you find the characters that uh, stay in the motels are different in some fundamental way from the ones who do just, you know, come and stay for their two or three nights and, and go away? Yeah. Um, and in this book, Scott Mist, I did actually have one of the uh, people who just turned up. So one of the um, the the wife of uh, Roger's colleague, so the doctor's wife, who's left to let the doctors share the house up in Sacramento, um, knock on the door and come in when the permanent residents are all gathered together, and she thinks, "Oh, okay, there's a there's a get together. There's there's an A list here, and then there's there's the rest of us." And it's one of those moments of cliqueiness, you know, when you realise that you know, depending on how it goes, you realise that you are being you know, exclusive to other people, which is such a mean way to be, or you realise that you're not being included in something, which just kicks you straight back to school, even in your 50s, right? Um, and so Lexi Campbell has quite a mean moment at that point, because she's thinking, you know, I'm not usually on this side of that. You know, wow, I'm really settled in here. I'm not the newcomer anymore. These are my people. This is my family. And she has quite a uh, you know, an ungenerous moment. And then to, to cover that up, she hastily invites uh, this person to join in, which doesn't go well, you know, with, with the other people. So there's so there's some of that feeling, because I think that's, I, I've always been quite interested in that because it's one of those, um, you know, people would pretend that, they would, that they've never been in a clique, you know, or, or they would, you know, that if you're on one side of it, then you're very judgmental about it. But if you're on the other side of it, you do a lot of mental fudging because you want to just hang out with the people you want to hang out with. And, you know, it's one of these small but quite revealing little pockets of character I've always found. But um, but another thing that the the pandemic has uh, is, uh, popularized um, is cocktails. Um, you know, there've been a lot of um, virtual cocktail classes and people posting like uh, TikTok uh, videos and Instagram reels of them, them making cocktails. Um, and I, I, I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit that it took me a while to realize that all of the last ditch mysteries were named after cocktails. I'm, I'm Wait, slow. <laughs> are they? No, they're not. Aren't they? Oh, they, well, Scotch mist and Scot- Scotch mist Scott and soda. Oh, Scott and soda. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, Scott free, no. Scott and Soda, yes. Scott, what's the third one called? What's the third one called? Scott on the rocks. Yes, you're oh. right. Oops, Scott Freeze, not. Okay. Yeah, well, so I, 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 I assume that was like Scott Neat. Scott Freeze, not Scott. Neat. Oh, Scott Neat. I made that wait, up. Wait, wait, I've got to write it down because I'm starting to run out. Oh, Scott Neat. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Because I don't have many, I don't have many titles left. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sort of in, except for the first one. What inspired the cocktail naming convention? Well, we wanted. So this is when Midnight Inc. was still on the go. So my editor was the the blessed Terry Bischoff. Um, we wanted the a title that was the same as Scott Free, and so we thought a pun, Scotch and Soda, turn it to Scott and Soda. That works. And then Scott on the Rocks worked. And then Scott Mist, I wasn't sure because I didn't know if Scotch Mist was a drink 
that people would recognise here. I mean, Scotch mist means something um, uh, sort of ethereal or imaginary or undecidable or invisible. So it's slightly, I mean, not that the virus is imaginary, but slightly, you know, you can't quite pin it down. And it also means um, someone who's just kind of disappeared. You can say they've gone in a Scotch mist and inevitably it's a drink because it's Scotland. Um, the kind of secondary meanings, the first meaning it is a kind of fog. It is, it is a type of, type of barely there kind of fog that you get in Scotland. Um, so I've put a definition of what Scotch mist is. Speaking of Scotland, uh, you were mentioning uh, before before we started recording about uh, the the national dish. Um, talking about uh, uh, cooking in in books because that's a always a very popular thing. And um, you know, cooking in a motel isn't like cooking at you know grandma's house. I mean, it's it's a, mm. uh, a, even in the extended stay motels. You know, if you're if you're a guest especially you, know, you do have like a little tiny microwave and maybe two burners and you and no grocery store anywhere nearby so you know, how did but it sounds like the food plays an important role in this one you know when these people are kind of trapped in with each other so how, yeah. do, how did you kind of make cooking preparing food important in a setting where that's that's not normally associated with preparing good food yeah the um so the the they have a debate early on about whether to um, gather everyone together, put trestle tables up in the forecourt, gather any, everyone together and take turns making food. So they think the lockdown, they go, OK, so we'll have, you know, we'll have taco night, we'll have pizza night, we'll have curry night, we'll have the, you know, mandated breakfast for dinner night. And then there's a, an Iranian guy, he might do a speciality. There's these lovely old um, Mexican people, Mexican-American well, they're Mexican, but they live in America now. They're, you know, Jose and Maria. So they're going to do a night. And then Lexi says, I'll do, I'll do a night, you know, which everyone thinks, oh, God, okay. What are you going to make? You're not making haggis. So she's going to make mince, which is ground beef and gravy in a pile, a pile of mashed potatoes and a pile of rutabaga, or if you're feeling fancy, rutabaga and carrot mixed together. So... There's like Todd says, geez, some of your people must have had good teeth sometime. How can that be your national dish? Um, so there's a discussion about whether they can just let people do their own thing or whether they can try and gather together and have family style dinner. And thankfully for me, they decide, to, well, I wrote it. What am I talking about? They decide to have family dinner. So that gets them all together so you can write scenes when they're all in the same place. <laughs> But also they're saying, you know, there's an ethical problem. If you're, char if, you're, if you're charging people for their room, then you can't tell them what to do. But if you're letting people in on a deep discount, then you can require them um, to eat together. And I think the thinking was that if people are having their food provided, they're less likely to sneak off and break the curfew and, you know, and go away and, and, and buy bagels for themselves. So, so that's what they do. So Lexi goes to Costco on Saturday the uh, 14th of March 2020 she gets delegated to do the big Costco run and really looks as if she's hoarding because she's shopping for 17 people for two weeks so she's being judged in Costco for all this food that she's buying and she finds herself buying a big paper sack of flour because everyone else is buying it and she gets very atavistic you know 
which we did, you know, but at that that time we were buying things thinking I'll I'll you we were making I never actually made bread, but I made soda bread. Um so she pulls everything in and then they they quarantine it and they bleach it and they, you know, they get very uh controlling about it and then they all eat together. They all eat together every night. Bubble, I think, was more popular in the UK before it was popular here. I mean, the US was still very much, you know, with your immediate family versus a kind of a bubble of a select group of people. Yeah. Um, so so did the, the characters have some some feelings about it's like, yeah, they're isolated, but they're still isolated with people who aren't like close relatives. Did that did that kind of play into the tension some? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, that I I think I missed the bit where that would have been a problem because this first ten days, people were just gathering information and wondering and didn't know how long it was going to last, and you know were thankful to be uh, safely corralled, you know wagons circled and home, and hadn't got to the stage where it would be difficult to be polite to people that you didn't know very well, and then the next book is uh, Thanksgiving so it's away in November and things have opened opened up a bit so I so I haven't written about the bit when they would have been having full and frank exchanges of opinions about everything because they've been banged up together for too long so you know and I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't write that because I want you know I want there to be a warmth about it and certainly at this time there were you know Diego who's usually the only kid who lives in the last ditch is suddenly one of five and he's the boss man because he's the one that knows everything. So he's very graciously allowing the other kids to use his um, his floaties, you know, for the pool because he doesn't need them anymore because he can swim now, you know. So he's, you know, he's um, he blossoms. So that was that was a really fun thing uh, to write. That it, like someone being adorably obnoxious because they're only six, you know, and they're showing <laughs> they're showing off all the time. Um, uh, and and of course, this is all except for the murder. I mean, we're talking about how warm it is and, and what fun it is, and they all just muck in together, apart apart from the fact that one of them gets murdered. So there is that. No, it's not, it's not funny at all. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that Lexi finds the body. And so I was really um careful to make it so that Lexi is genuinely. Um, I mean, it's too soon to say that she's traumatised because it's only 10 days, but she is rocked and she's got that vision behind her eyes. When she closes her eyes, she can still see it and everything's reminding her of it, you know, because I was trying to make it a little bit realistic that if you if you found a body, that would be something that stayed with you, even if you managed not to to get, you know, permanent trauma from it which not everyone does and and you, you would hope that she didn't in the early days it would it would be there behind your eyes every time you every time you close your eyes that would be all that all that you see so uh, she does she does deal with that um and so thank and so thankfully she's not on her own because dealing with that on your own would be one thing but dealing with that and also having to deal with Todd's mother and five children and Nolan and Kathy you know that that dilutes it a lot so I've just given away who didn't die but I wasn't gonna kill Todd's mother of course she didn't die 
course she did. Where can readers follow you on Twitter or Facebook or your website if they want to know more about what's going on with the uh, the last yeah. motel? So it's pretty easy. I am katrinamcpherson.com is my website and I've got you know everything that all the virtual events for the launch of Scott Mist are there yeah, as well as the what I'm reading uh, list. Um so we've been talking about reading such a lot. And on Twitter, I'm uh, at Katrina McP. And on Facebook, it's Katrina McPherson, author page. So, yep. And when is the Scott Mist available so readers can, can go buy a copy? It is the 1st of February. It's on ebook. It's on Kindle now. The um, physical book is the 1st of February. And it's available for pre-order right now. Oh, and- wait. No, it's okay. Oh. That's no, that's right. That's right. I was just thinking, is it the same? Is it the same time, uh, US and UK? Yes, first of February. <laughs> oh, the being released in both countries at the same time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Can I refer to the UK as a country? Is that? Is yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just you know, <laughs> uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> slightly you know you can see daylight through the seams at the moment but yes yes <laughs> well thank you very much for joining me again uh katrina it's always uh, wonderful to talk to you thank you very much it's been really lovely i've got lots of things written down to to look up now a podcast i've got an idea for the next title and i've got the manufacturer of high-end non-alcoholic alcohol so thank you <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, uh, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. My guest today was author Katrina McPherson chatting about Scott Mist, her newest Lexi Carmichael last-ditch mystery. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, award-winning author and host of the show. Tune in next time for another chat with an author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye.